0: Section 60 of the Essays of Samuel Johnson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Philippa. The Essays of Samuel Johnson, Section 60. Deborah Ginger's Account of City Wits. Saturday, March the tenth, seventeen fifty nine. To the Idler mr idler i am the unfortunate wife of a city wit and cannot but think that my cause may deserve equal compassion with any of those which have been represented in your paper i married my husband within three months after the expiration of his apprenticeship we put our money together and furnished a large and splendid shop in which he was for five years and a half diligent and civil the notice which curiosity or kindness commonly bestows on beginners was continued by confidence and esteem one customer pleased with his treatment and his bargain recommended another and we were busy behind the counter from morning till night thus every day increased our wealth and our reputation my husband was often invited to dinner openly on the exchange by hundred thousand pounds men and whenever i went to any of the halls the wives of the aldermen made me low curtsies we always took up our notes before the day and made all considerable payments by drafts upon our banker you will easily believe that i was well enough pleased with my condition for what happiness can be greater than that of growing every day richer and richer i will not deny that imagining myself likely to be in a short time the sheriff's lady i broke off my acquaintance with some of my neighbours and advised my husband to keep good company and not to be seen with men that were worth nothing in time he found that ale agreed with his constitution and went every night to drink his pint at a tavern where he met with a set of critics who disputed upon the merit of the different theatrical performers by these idle fellows he was taken to the play which at first he did not seem much to heed for he owned that he very seldom knew what they were doing and that while his companions would let him alone he was commonly thinking on his last bargain having once gone however he went again and again though i often told him that three shillings were thrown away at last he grew uneasy if he missed a night and importuned me to go with him i went to a tragedy which they called macbeth and when i came home told him that i could not bear to see men and women make themselves such fools by pretending to be witches and ghosts generals and kings and to walk in their sleep when they were as much awake as those who looked at them he told me that i must get higher notions and that a play was the most rational of all entertainments and most proper to relax the mind after the business of the day by degrees he gained knowledge of some of the players and when the play was over very frequently treated them with suppers for which he was admitted to stand behind the scenes he soon began to lose some of his morning hours in the same folly and was for one winter very diligent in his attendance on the rehearsals but of this species of idleness he grew weary and said that the play was nothing without the company his ardour for the diversion of the evening increased he bought a sword and paid five shillings a night to sit in the boxes he went sometimes into a place which he calls the green room where all the wits of the age assemble and when he had been there could do nothing for two or three days but repeat their jests or tell their disputes he has now lost his regard for everything but the playhouse he invites three times a week one or other to drink claret and talk of the drama his first care in the morning is to read the playbills and if he remembers any lines of the tragedy which is to be represented walks about the shop repeating them so loud and with such strange gestures that the passengers gather round the door his greatest pleasure when i married him was to hear the situation of his shop commended and to be told how many estates have been got in it by the same trade but of late he grows peevish at any mention of business and delights in nothing so much as to be told that he speaks like Mossop. Among his new associates he has learned another language, and speaks in such a strain that the neighbours cannot understand him. If a customer talks longer than he is willing to hear, he will complain that he has been excruciated with unmeaning verbosity. He laughs at the letters of his friends for their tameness of expression, and often declares himself weary of attending to the minutiae, of a shop it is well for me that i know how to keep a book for of late he is scarcely ever in the way since one of his friends told him that he had a genius for tragic poetry he has locked himself in an upper room six or seven hours a day and when i carry him any paper to be read or signed i hear him talking vehemently to himself sometimes of love and beauty sometimes of friendship and virtue but more frequently of liberty and his country. I would gladly, Mr. Idler, be informed what to think of a shopkeeper who is incessantly talking about liberty, a word which, since his acquaintance with polite life, my husband has always in his mouth. He is on all occasions afraid of our liberty. What can the man mean? I am sure he has liberty enough. It were better for him and me if his liberty was lessened. He has a friend, whom he calls a critic, that comes twice a week to read what he is writing. This critic tells him that his piece is a little irregular, but that some detached scenes will shine prodigiously, and that in the character of Bombulus he is wonderfully great. My Scribbler then squeezes his hand, calls him the best of friends, thanks him for his sincerity, and tells him that he hates to be flattered, i have reason to believe that he seldom parts with his dear friend without lending him two guineas and i am afraid that he gave bail for him three days ago by this course of life our credit as traders is lessened and i cannot forbear to reflect that my husband's honour as a wit is not much advanced for he seems to be always the lowest of the company and is afraid to tell his opinion till the rest have spoken when he was behind the counter he used to be brisk active and jocular like a man that knew what he was doing and did not fear to look another in the face but among wits and critics he is timorous and awkward and hangs down his head at his own table dear mr idler persuade him if you can to return once more to his native element tell him that his wit will never make him rich but that there are places where riches will always make a wit. I am, sir, etc., Deborah Ginger. End of section 60